Uh, hey everyone, it's Russ. Welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Today, really excited to invite Brenna Bauckham to join us. Uh, I got to know Brenna this summer when I went through some training, which I'm pretty sure I've mentioned to uh, to you on previous episodes. I know I've mentioned it in my uh, weekly email newsletter. Um, and I was interested to have Brenna join us for a variety of reasons, not the least of which to talk to you about the important intersection of life and financial planning. Um, and there's a whole, a whole host of topics that we could kind of uh, go into from there. But uh, before I steal her thunder, uh, Brenna, welcome. Hello. Thank why you don't you? Me. Yeah. Why don't you just take a minute and introduce yourself? Tell uh, tell tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we'll just go from there. Sure. Sure. Um, well, I am. I live in Salem, Oregon, which is Oregon's capital, uh, with my four-year-old daughter Mika. I guess I should say four and a half because she would be really ticked if I <laughs> if I didn't clarify that. And my husband Ben. And um, my career is is varied, as most of us in this financial planning industry are. I started in journalism and communication. I was a video producer for eight years before um, I changed careers and moved into the financial industry as a certified financial planner at a small practice here in Salem, where I serve mostly pre-retirees and um, retirees on kind of adjusting, sometimes ensuring the mindset is focused on contentment in retirement and not complacency. Um, because I think sometimes that can that can be a mode that we shift into when we move away from the purpose of our careers into retirement. So um, taking care for that. And now I work for Money Quotient, which is an organization that provides education and tools to financial advisors like Russ. Uh, to support financial life planning. And as Russ sort of hinted to in the beginning, financial life planning is really getting to the heart of the values and priorities that motivate clients in terms of a financial planner's perspective. And they use that qualitative information as the foundation for financial recommendations and advice. So, Money Quotient takes this research-based, multidisciplinary approach to everything that we do and include disciplines like neurology and psychology and adult learning and try to bring structure and framework and evidence to a process that can sound a little bit squishy, you know, when we talk about discovering values and priorities. And it's a cool job because we really get to develop the best part of financial advisors. So, I don't think that clients typically love their advisor because they know a lot about XYZ stock or saved them $3,000 in taxes, or maybe even because of portfolio performance, I would argue. Those are factors in a relationship with a technically skilled financial advisor, but they aren't what make you recommend your advisor to your friends. So that comes from the relationship part. And so Advisors often have the technical side of their studies through their education, um, but we get to work with them to master the emotional intelligence side of what they do to deepen not only the client relationships they had, but also the, the personal satisfaction that they get from doing what they do for a living. Yeah, thanks for that. And I, I think that's a great springboard into a whole lot of different things that I'm looking forward to talking with you about. But a, a question. So after 
eight years, I think you said eight years in video production. What prompted the move to the financial advice industry? Yeah, I, I always, the thing I loved the most about um, video production was interviewing and hearing people's stories and getting an opportunity to tell those stories to a broader audience. Um, what I didn't love so much was sitting in a dark edit room for <laughs> hours at <laughs> a time by myself uh, as an extrovert. That was a little bit tough. So, um, and through just shared connections in the Salem community, I had this opportunity come knocking on my door um, of someone looking for a new advisor in their practice and saying, do you know anybody who might be interested? And I said, hmm, tell me more about that. <laughs> and we and kind of went from there. Yeah, the rest is history, as they say. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and I think you've told me before, Brenna, that you actually were introduced to Money Quotient and their tools um, as a practicing advisor. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I got to use, I, I took the same training that you went through this summer. I took it um, a couple of years ago and I used the tools with my client families uh, while I was still practicing and just saw such a an incredible difference in the depth, even clients I'd had for, for those full eight years I was there, um, an incredible depth of the conversation. We got to know each other even better. And, and certainly the work that we did together was all the more meaningful. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting because you bring both experience as an advisor working with clients and families, but now you're working more in a role uh, where you're working with advisors to empower them to build better, deeper relationships, deliver better advice to their clients. So I, I think I think your perspective is particularly unique in that you've kind of lived on both sides of that fence, if you will. Um, as you know, most of my listeners are um, you know, women and their families that are getting ready to retire um, and, and others as well. So um, I want to kind of set that table um, to get more of your impressions of something that would maybe be germane or of interest to an incline or a consumer. Um, but I, again, I'm interested to have your experience working with advisors kind of inform our discussion as well. What would you say um, from both your role as a former advisor and now in Money Quotient as, um, as a lead trainer and really driving a lot what of what happens there in um, teaching and training advisors like myself, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you help people solve or address? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. And I, I guess if I had to summarize it very simply, it would be that we help tie meaning to money. And anyone who sits down with one of our trained money quotient partners has this very unique opportunity to explore several facets of their life. And we've, we've kind of broken it down into four, what we call inquiry categories. So one of them is biography, where you get an opportunity to kind of uh, step back and understand your perspectives and your preferences of how you developed the relationship with money that you have. Um, you get to explore your satisfaction and values and what is it that brings you intrinsic re rewards and um, what are the things that make you happiest? And what are the core values that underline what it is that bring you joy? Transitions, of course, I think that goes without saying most financial advisors work um, through transition, but we have kind of a process that helps to uncover the transitions that you're going through now, what's on the horizon so that you and your advisor can proactively plan together, and then goal setting in a way that is meaningful. And one of the things that I often 
talk to our advisors about is um, the there's this sort of unspoken rule, I guess, or expectation that anybody who comes into a financial planning office has all of their goals sorted out and knows exactly what they want to do and is just going to come in and tell you and you as the advisor are going to go and help them figure out the number side of it. And I don't think that's the case. I think most people don't actually know what their goals are until they give themselves a little space and time to explore it. And so that's a a big part of what our advisors are doing with their client families is saying, let's explore this together. I'm going to give you the time and space to do that, that a busy life otherwise doesn't um, allow you to. Yeah, I I think it'd be interested to maybe dig into that a little bit more. Um, maybe later in the conversation, but I think I think in my based on my experience, and, and it sounds like yours as well. I think so many people, if they have any goals at all, I think they're based more on um, what they see other people do, um, mm-hmm. or um, what they might feel are expectations um, that they have for themselves, or that others have for them, or hey, I'm getting close to a certain age, and that's when people retire, or mm-hmm. you know, a whole host of other examples. So I think it's. I think it's both interesting, but more importantly, refreshing to have an opportunity to remove that burden from the client and say like, hey, we're, you know, let's, let's just set goals aside and talk about what's important to you. And when we get to goals, it's more of an exploration as opposed to saying, all right, I'm ready with my typewriter or my pencil to write down, go. Um, So I, I think that's, I think that's really important. And I think it's, um, I think it's really helpful in maybe removing some potential anxiety that clients mm-hmm. feel when they come to sit down with an advisor. Um, yeah. Well, and the term, the term goals comes with all of this baggage too, right? There's, there's people that that term feels intimidating. And so part of the, part of the process that our, our advisors help their clients go through is, when you get a real clear understanding of your what brings you intrinsic reward and satisfaction and what your core values are, you can build some goals on top of that to move toward, but those goals can change and will change because life changes. And But it's not a failure because what you have underneath there is what's intrinsic and, and most ingrained in you as a human being. So kind of gives this freedom actually to be able to adjust and move with life without feeling so um, hardwired, I guess, toward one specific outcome. And I think, um, I think you've done a great job of kind of laying out conceptually what, um, money quotient is and the four inquiry categories and things like that. Could you maybe give us a more practical example of, uh, either work you've done or work that you facilitated maybe via other advisor, um, kind of more of a boots on the ground example of, you know, you or an advisor sat down with a client, um, and here's how they were able to um, not just add value and be helpful, but maybe kind of um, almost introduce like a, a, a paradigm shift um, mm-hmm. in terms of the client, their expectations of working with an advisor, and then ultimately uh, maybe their uh, opportunity um, to go at things a little bit more, dif- a little differently, and maybe from more from a, uh, a kind of, um, a heart, for lack of a better term, a heart-centered approach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I. As soon as you started talking, I and asking me about that, I was having these flashbacks, and I'm goosebumps on my arms right now thinking about this story. So I'll share this one. 
Um, I had a client for the the full time I was there. She had been a client a client of the firm for I think thirty five years. Wow! And she and her partner retired, had more income than they spent, and also had a very healthy size portfolio. But there was a scarcity mindset that she never felt comfortable spending. And her partner would often be encouraging her to say, let's take that family trip. Let's pay to bring the kids and the grandkids out. Let's, you know, do these different things. But there was this, I don't know, she she couldn't get over it for a long time. And no matter how I ran the numbers and how I um, tried to give her comfort, uh, it was it was an issue. It was a sticking point. And in a meeting, we one, one of the meetings, I decided to pull out some of those biography tools from Money Quotient and ask her a few questions off of one of them. This one, Russ, if you have it, it's Money Memories is the name of it. Yeah. And it explores some questions around um, what are your memories from your parents growing up? Uh, what, what are your earliest memories of what money was and the role that it played um, in your life? And this was during the pandemic. And so we're having a virtual meeting. She picks up her laptop and shows me around her office, which I had never seen before. And all over her office wall, there are pictures of the restaurant that her parents owned when she was a kid and juice is five cents a glass. You know, there's an old menu up there and pictures of her, her and her um, siblings when they were kids in front of the restaurant on their parents' shoulders And we start talking through sort of the foundation that that laid for her of how it was tough growing up in a family that owned a small business in that time. And she, again, engineer client focused on the numbers for years. This is the first time we sat down in a meeting together and she started crying and said, I just can't believe what we have, that we have what we have. I can't believe it. And I don't know how to move through this. And it was such a breakthrough for her to have this connection of the where the scarcity mindset came from for her. So not only for her and her partner and her family, it was, I mean, for our relationship, it helped inform me of decisions that we were going to be making moving forward in terms of money decisions. Um, and I, I was so excited when just a, a week later, she called me for a withdrawal to book that family vacation that oh, wow. they've been circling for a while. So it was such a... I think that discovery piece, again, very helpful for me to bear witness to as her advisor, but man, that that's changed her life, right? Um, and her family's life. So uh, it's just such a, there's there's definitely power behind the work that we do. Oh, it sounds like it changed your life too. I mean, you, yeah. oh, it's such, you said you were getting goosebumps just thinking, yeah. about, thinking about it. So such a moving story of such a special family. Yeah. How cool. And I, I can only imagine you've probably got uh, either personal or, or from other advisors that you work and coach coach, you probably got dozens of examples um, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. I've, I've been blessed to start to scratch the surface with some of my clients around that. And it's just the most, it's the coolest thing. I, it's hard to put it into words. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but thanks for sharing that. That's a, what a great story. Um, when you, so this is women's retirement radio. Um, so everything we do ties back to this idea of retirement, um, what it is and, and just as important, uh, what it's not. Um, when you think of the word retirement, um, what comes to mind for you personally, Brenna? That's a great question. <clears throat> 
I think at its best, retirement should be the season of our lives where we feel the most empowered to make choices that bring us the highest levels of intrinsic satisfaction. So for me, that's helping others and spending time with my family, nurturing, growing things in my garden and my house plants and, and learning. And I can see all of those things being important, being just as important in retirement as they are to me now. And the ways in which I'll support and explore them are going to change, but the foundation of it will, will be the same. And I think, um, thank you for that. I think it's um, what, what I noticed is you didn't mention um, a specific age <laughs> or, um, you know, uh, anything to do with your portfolio or, Money uh, clearly, money would support your ability to to do those things and have the choice to spend your time pursuing those things that are important and intrinsically rewarding and satisfying to you. But um, I think I think that's just um, indicative of the opportunity that kind of taking more of a financial life planning approach um, can uncover and surface for folks. Um, so thank you for that. Um, Maybe on a little bit more of a practical, um, well, I shouldn't say that, um, but I guess a related question. Mm-hmm. Uh, from your perspective, in your experience, what would you say is the biggest challenge facing women specifically as they prepare for, think about transitioning into retirement? Mm. We have a lot of them, ladies. <laughs> I think we we all know about the pay gap, and we all know that we are typically the ones who take care of our kids or parents if that's needed. And we know that those things lead to lower contributions into our retirement savings and, and ultimately social security and that we live longer. (laughs) So we, we, we know we have all of these things that mean less money that needs to last a longer amount of time. But I really think one of the biggest barriers might be the financial industry itself. It is incredibly difficult to navigate information out here in a meaningful way. Um, and, and I think that starts with the things that we call ourselves, Russ, our, our titles and yeah. our education is so confusing. Yeah. Um, I think the, I remember when I first came into this industry that when I learned that you don't have to have any education at all to call yourself a financial advisor, I blew my mind. I thought, how, how is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> and, and scary, and scary, isn't it? It is. It is. And how can it not be confusing to people? Right. Um, and then when I learned it only took me three months to call myself an investment advisor, three months and an exam. Investment advisor sounds kind of lofty, sounds important, but three months ago, I was a (laughs) video producer and now I'm somehow an investment advisor. So that was kind of amazing to me too, that, I mean, I learned a lot, of course, and it was important foundation for my education, but it was not, uh, I guess, what I had thought from the outside would have been required. And um, 
I guess by comparison, it took me three years to call myself a certified financial planner. So I think it's important to think that and, and understand from a consumer perspective that education matters and titles aren't always what they appear. So it's a good idea to, to dig a little bit more, more deeply into those. Um, I think our industry can be an alphabet soup of credentials. Um, and the CFP one is, is more, more broad in terms of comprehensive planning. It's, it's one of the broadest ones. Um, so I think that's an important thing to, to think about for, for women and anyone looking for a financial advisor is um, understanding not only the level of education um, and training that an advisor has obtained to practice financial planning, but what are the ongoing organizations and support that they're involved in to continue their growth and learning? Um, and you don't have to be an expert on it, but you can ask a few questions and see if, if what your advisor has to say about that. I think it's a good place to start. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. I agree. I was not in my head the entire time. Um, <laughs> one thing I'll add is, um, and, and this is based on my personal belief and experience. Like if you've got a trusted advisor that um, really has your best interest at heart, um, I don't think it matters so much how they're compensated, mm-hmm. but I think you need to understand how they're compensated mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that can, for better or worse, um, influence their recommendations potentially. Um, so just something to be aware of um, and, and also be aware of the fact that not every advisor is required to put your interest first. That doesn't mean they don't, but they're not required to. Um, yeah. So there's a big difference there. So um, that, that's a whole other conversation for another, another time. But I, I did want to highlight that as well. Absolutely. And I wonder if it, if you would entertain me in going on a short fee tangent for your listeners. <laughs> Have at it. That's why, that's why we're having the conversation. Okay, cool. Um, because I think this is, you know, if, if I, when I was practicing, I often did kind of community um, presentations geared specifically toward women. And they, the question I got more often than any other was how much am I paying my financial advisor? And so I totally agree with you, Russ. I think that we need to um, make sure that everyone is empowered to know that answer um, and feel comfortable asking it. Um, but broadly speaking, I'll give you a little 101 listeners on, on sort of fees. So there are broadly three ways that advisors get paid. One is commissions, which if you've ever bought a car is probably familiar to you. The advisor receives some kickback from selling a product or a mutual fund. Another way is fee only, where the advisor is compensated by you, the client only. And then there's fee-based, which is a combination of those two things, commissions and fee only. And so that's kind of tier one, high level, what you want to understand. And for fee-based and fee only, there are, again, broadly, three types of fee structures. So there's advice only which means you're just paying, it is what it sounds like. It's usually a flat fee. It's, I've seen it range between $2,500 and $8,000 and run between three and 12 months. So that's kind of a standalone piece, great for a, a DIY type of investor who wants a, a comprehensive plan, but then wants to go implement themselves. Then there's a subscription-based model, which is probably like it sounds. Uh, it's around 250 to 500 a month I've seen and up depending on complexity. 
um, and again, is kind of an ongoing relationship. And then there's an assets under management model, which kind of combines portfolio management and financial planning for a percentage of what your the size of your portfolio. One um, percent is a common uh, number around there. So if you have a one million dollar portfolio, your annual fee is ten thousand dollars. So there's you know again to <laughs> emphasize and underline the complexity of our industry, um, fees is just one way in which that is is complex. Yeah. If, 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 if you weren't, if you weren't confused enough um, That's right. b- between titles and credentials and um, different financial services firms. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of different ways that advisors serve clients. There's a bunch of different ways advisors are compensated by clients or by, as Brenna mentioned, or by um product manufacturers like uh, mutual fund or ETF um, asset management firms, things like that. Um, And I think the most important thing you said is um, having the wherewithal to ask, Um, you know, just, just ask any, anybody that's not, in my opinion, anyone that's not willing to comfortably discuss how they get paid and why they get paid, what they get paid is that should maybe raise some red flags, but, um, but thanks for, thanks for covering that. I think that's super important um, and hopefully sheds a little bit more light on all the different ways that um, you can work with an advisor and, um, and pay them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of the questions I've really been most looking forward to ask. Um, both as uh, a formal financial advisor, but perhaps more importantly in your role at Money Quotient. How would you say that your work um, most impacts women and their families as they plan for and transition into retirement? Mm-hmm. I think, and, and I'll, you'll have to forgive me for repeating myself, but I really do think that this gift of time to explore what you want and need is is the biggest impact. So again, there's, there's often this expectation that you already know what you want and need um, and that you're supposed to come into your financial advisor's office with at least a framework of where you're headed. And I think most of us don't have that um, time and energy. So, so the, the advisors who use Money Quotient are really trained to not only take this holistic approach, which arguably is a term abused in this industry, but they take time to walk you through a meaningful process, starting with where you are today, identifying your point A, which is its own gift in understanding and taking some time to do, and then serving really as a collaborative thinking partner to help envision and establish point B together. So then the recommendations that they make and, and the work that you do together helps you build toward and get closer to move closer to your point B. And I, I think I'd love your perspective. I think it's fair to say too, that this is not a one and done thing. It's not like you figure out point A and work towards a point B and then everyone lives happily ever after because um uh, markets, economies, interest rates change, your life changes. Um, and so I, I'd like to highlight the fact that a financial plan is important, 
But as soon as tomorrow, and certainly, you know, uh, you give it a month or two, or certainly a year, it's almost worthless, uh, because life happens. And so I think the real value is applying this life planning process to the ongoing, um, to the ongoing conversations and dialogues to accommodate new information as we get it, um, personal, professional with tax legislation, whatever's going on in the world, um, and bring everything up to date and say, okay, are we still on the right path? Um, not just financially, but are we still on the right path in terms of what um, what's important to you, what resonates with you in terms of your values and your priorities and things like that? Because while some of those things fundamentally probably won't change a whole hell of a lot over time, they they could shift a little bit here and there. So I think it's I think it's super important to regularly review, revisit those conversations, check in and, you know, just basically make adjustments as necessary along the way. Would you say that's fair? Absolutely. And I think it's the it's the reason why we always add process to the end of the word financial plan or financial planning, um, because it is a process that's ongoing. And and Russ, I know you're familiar with this um framework of the elephant rider and path, but would you, would you entertain a short tangent on that? I was going to, no, per, perfect segue. I was going to ask you about that before we, uh, oh, before we wrapped up today. So yeah, go right ahead. Cool. Okay, great. Um, so for those that aren't familiar, this concept uh, came through a book called Switch by Chip and Dan Heath. And what it describes is the relationship between our logical brain and our emotional brain. So the elephant represents kind of the emotional side that we bring to every decision. Um, And the rider represents the logical side. And the size of those two um, is representative of just how important they are. So a rider can kick and kick an elephant as much as they want to. um, And that elephant isn't going to budge until it's good and ready. Um, And The path piece of it is, again, sort of clearing the path to make sure the direction that your elephant and rider are headed in is as smooth as possible. And so um, I think it takes a great financial advisor to know how to motivate that elephant in designing a financial plan and, and going through that process with you that resonates with your unique preferences and outlook. And they know how to appeal to the writer with the technical information that can help you implement financial strategy strategies that you need to, to achieve the goals you're headed toward. And they also know how to clear the path to make it as easy as possible for you to move forward with any action um, that you were working on together, the things that fall in your court. So I think it's important to um, think through those things when you're sitting down to interview. And I think you should interview um, a potential financial advisor. And the thing that comes to mind for me when you tell this story or, or explain kind of the rider and the elephant, um, and I think I think I heard this first uh, during the training, um, is that willpower is an exhaustible resource. Yeah. Um, which I think kind of goes hand in hand with the rider and the elephant. Um, and so I think I think um, another way to think about what Brenda's describing is if you can really. Um, tie your financial planning and financial decisions to what really is like uh, the core of you as a person, Um, you know, values, priorities, um, the people and organizations that are important to you and reflect those, bring those up to the surface. um, I think that's going to lead to um, a much higher likelihood that you'll actually follow through um, on your financial plan and do the things that, you know, 
you've you know outlined that are important to you. So um, yeah, thanks so thanks so much for mentioning that. I like I said, I was going to ask you about it, so you beat me to the punch. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great concept to keep in mind when we feel um, kind of a gut resistance to something or a gut feeling. That's your elephant talking to you. Um, and again, no matter how how much um, data you have around logistics of information of why some direction is the right way to go. If your elephant isn't on board, you're not going that direction. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. It is. And I also think it's important to encourage people to listen to your gut um, as well. Um, a, it's uh, it's probably not a good use of your energy to fight it. Um, but um, if, if you're talking to an advisor or to uh, a potential employer or, or frankly, anyone, um, I think, um, I think a lot of people are a little quick to dismiss gut feelings. Um, and I think there's a lot of value that can come from that. So just as a, as a quick aside, um, before we wrap up, uh, Brenna, and this has been great. Thank you. Um, I know earlier you mentioned the uh, money memories tool that you use with your client and, and had that kind of um, really key breakthrough um, and, and kind of got her beyond this scarcity mindset. Um, is there another tool that comes to mind as one of your favorites um, out of kind of the money quotient library? Yeah. Yeah. I think I am not alone in loving the wheel of life. I know that you are a fan of it as well. <laughs> I am. Um, and I think, I think it offers a really fun way to take an assessment of the, the various facets of your life and try to identify what is it that's going, what is it that I love about this piece? What is it that I need in this piece? Um, so I, I, I like to be able to explore those things, both in terms of where am I at in my satisfaction? And maybe, maybe I'll describe it super quickly for those. Yeah, please, yeah please do. Okay. So it's a circle. Um, the spoke of the, the wheel itself is, represents a zero and the wheel on the outside represents a 10. And there are, I'm sorry, the hub is a zero. The wheel is a 10 and the spokes all kind of align with a certain facet of life. So on it, those facets include work, finances, home, money, family, inner growth, there's a few more health, and spirituality, I think that health. Um, and so we, so going through that with one of your clients, um, and you know, this experience, but you, you ask people to kind of put a mark on the spoke in their level of satisfaction with that certain facet. So for example, in community, you might mark a six in health, you might mark a four. And then in conversation with your advisor, you go through and say, what's going well in this area? What do I feel good about? Well, I'm part of my local Rotary Club and I really love to go out and volunteer with the food share or whatever makes community for you. And you also open a conversation into what those things mean. What does health mean? Is health literal? The health of your body? Is it your brain health? Is it how do you quantify it? What do you, what would a 10 look like? Um, what are you grateful for in this facet? So it really, um, it serves in terms of the money quotient process, it serves at the, as the foundation for goal setting, because understanding your current level of, of satisfaction with a certain area of life can help you to sort of take stock of what you're grateful for, and then start to head toward, well, maybe I'd 
I think I could get up to a nine in this area, or I think I could move from a six to a seven this year. Those kind of things where you start to get more bite-sized pieces on how to change the trajectory and improve uh, your life satisfaction. And I think one of the coolest things about the wheel of life is it does a really nice job of putting money in context. Mm -hmm. Um, Because money is money is basically one spoke out of the, I think 10 spokes um, eight or 10 around the wheel. So I think it does a nice job of um, sort of compartmentalizing money um, and helping you see the totality of your life um, and and think a little bit more broadly about how your money decisions can, you know, spill over into other other areas of your life. Things are important to you, things that you want to work on. And I think, as you mentioned, Brenna, it it really provides a cool um, platform to define, you know, like you said, what does health mean? What does community mean? You know, et cetera. Um, which is another way for your advisor to get to know and understand you better, which again, I think is a virtuous cycle that leads to, you know, better advice. So um, it's kind of a win-win all the way around. So uh, yeah, it's, um, and I've talked to other money quotient partners that I've met and gotten to know and um, uh, the wheel life is, is a favorite among many that I've, I've spoken with. So I think that's a great one to highlight. Yeah. And I think it helps to break down, you know, if if you go into a consumer never wants to go into a financial advisor's office and have someone say, what are your goals? Because again, we as we've hit on several times, uh, but this allows you to sort of break down different facets of your life and take a, a more careful look at each one of them. Um, and from those, oftentimes goals will trickle out from those conversations And then in the work with your advisor, your advisor can start pulling on the financial tethers and saying, hey, this sounds like like inner growth. It's starting to kind of sound like yoga is important to you. And then once you get down the line to goal setting, maybe a yoga retreat in Peru or maybe, you know, you start to kind of see these things develop over time um, as as the you, the client gets more clear on what it is that's going to bring you uh, greater levels of of happiness. Yeah, I. I, I find this stuff fascinating. I always enjoy talking to you. We could probably talk another hour without you know, <laughs> breaking sure. a sweat. Um, but one thing that comes to mind, I'll mention uh, before we kind of start to wrap things up, um, is so many advisors and, and, and actually clients too spend so much time optimizing their portfolio and optimizing their financial plan, their taxes, but they never invest the time to optimize like what is the life they want to live mm-hmm. and how does the money support that life? Um, and I'm not suggesting that the wheel of life or any of the tools are, are about optimizing anything. Um, but it certainly provides a space to explore and talk about what that could be like, uh, which I think is, um, I think is really cool. And I think it's an opportunity that's missed by many advisors and their clients. So I love the work that you and the rest of the team at, uh, at money quotient are, are doing to, to help get this in more advisors and ultimately into their, their clients, uh, you mm-hmm. know, lives. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it emphasizes what you mentioned earlier, which is the process piece of it. You know, yeah. it's kind of neat to see that wheel change shape over time and um, continue. It's it's always going to be a work in progress, which is what makes it fun. Yeah. So um, I know you touched on this earlier. You mentioned your daughter, Mika, and your husband, Ben, and, and you know, some of the things that are uh, of interest to you. And I know you're busy. Uh, with work and just life in general. But when you've got a little time to yourself, let's say an hour or two, what do you most enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. Yes, those are rare times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I We live in a beautiful part of the Pacific Northwest. So walking around, um, live near a, a park and a, a reserve. 
walking around there with a good podcast. You can't can't go wrong with Brene Brown. She's um, unlocking us as one of my my favorites. I always get new insights and takeaways from from that. Um, it's the rainy season here right now as we're recording. So I'm looking out the window and it is coming down a bit. And so we sitting by the wood stove and reading. Um, I'm working on braiding sweetgrass right now, which I highly recommend. The lovely book. Uh, and because I have a four year old, taking a nap is also <laughs> high on my list yeah. of things that I enjoy. Four and a half. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Oh, she'll love that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I always, I'm always, you know, I always like for people to share a little bit of uh, a glimpse into their life when they're not uh, doing the wonderful work that uh, that we're usually talking about. So, so thanks for that. Um, <laughs> if there were one thing that our listeners could take away from our, and we've covered a lot, but if there was one thing our listeners could take away from our conversation today, what would you want that one thing to be? I think to um, embrace the idea that hiring a financial advisor is a little bit like dating. <laughs> so we talk, just talked about this. You should meet a few of them before you settle down. And I, th- I think it's a really great uh, litmus test to think through that same elephant rider path idea that we just talked about. So after you sit down with an advisor, you know, asking yourself first, you know, talking to your elephant, how do I feel in my, in my body? Am I leaving their office calm? Is my heart rate high? Am I confused? What do I, what do I feel like? That's a great first gut reaction to listen to. Um, And then for your writer, does, does the advisor have the technical experience and education um, that you need? And does their fee structure align with what your needs are? Um, and do you understand the value that they provide uh, and what, what you're going to be paying them for that value if you engage in their services? That's just like we talked about, Russ, a super important foundation um, to any working relationship. And the path, do, do you get the impression that the advisor is taking a collaborative approach to planning in order to clear the path in your way. And there's actually a pretty easy way to tell that from your first meeting is to reflect on who did most of the talking yeah. <laughs> during the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it was anything, you know, if, if it was 50, 50, that's okay. If it's mostly you, that's a great sign. If it's mostly them, that gives you an insight into what kind of, planning they might be doing. So that's helpful. Yeah. Great suggestions. Thank you. Um, And thank you so much, Brenda. This is always enjoyed talking to you. Um, Yes. And uh, I'm I'm glad we could share this conversation with, uh, with some listeners out there. If folks want to learn more about you, about money quotient um, and I'll mention, by the way, um, there's a directory on the money quotient side of uh, partners, um, financial advisors across the country, actually some outside of the U S that have gone through the training. So um, it's a great resource, but um, I'll let you maybe give the particulars if if folks want to learn more about you or about money quotient. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if what we've been talking about sounds like the kind of advisor that you want to get to know and work with our directory is a great one. It's right. You go to moneyquotient.com right on in the red ink, right at the top, there's a, a, one of the links that says MQ directory. You can click there and search by state and find a money quotient partner in your state to work with. Um, and of course I am happy to help play matchmaker as much as I can. So if you, you know, and when I gave that 
um, that overview of the different ways that advisors get paid, the subscription or the advice only or the fee only um, models. If you're looking for one of those three in particular and are wondering, hmm, who could I get connected with? Feel free to send me an email. I'd be happy to try to play matchmaker for you with um, some of our partners who offer those various types of services. So my email address is Brenna, B-R-E-N-N-A at moneyquotient.com. Awesome. Thanks. And we'll be sure to include a link to the website, your email in the show notes. Um, I'll try to remember to include a link to uh, Bernie Brown's podcast. And what was the book you mentioned? Braiding Sweetgrass. It has nothing to do with financial planning, but it's it's a lovely. We love book recommendations around here. So we'll we'll, we'll, (laughs) uh, we'll include a link to that one uh, as well. Um, Any last thoughts? Any we've any closing comments? Like you said, we could stay here for another hour and chit chat if you wanted. <laughs> well, and and as as a result, maybe we'll have to have a part two at some point. We'll have to have you have you back down the road and, and maybe pick up where we left off. But this has been fun. I I really appreciate your willingness to jump on, uh, willingness to jump on here and, and your time and sharing a little bit about your journey and the the wonderful work that you and the team at Money Question are doing. I think it's fantastic. My pleasure, Russ. Thank you for doing this. It's great. You have a podcast geared directly toward toward women in this important time in life. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks. And uh, and thanks for everyone out there listening. Um, this has been another episode of Women's Retirement Radio, and we look forward to catching up with you on the next one. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.